Known that for took a lot stuff. of stones, buddy. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that was a great play. You know, I was sitting there thinking, it was next to Rabel there, calling the, the play and thinking, well, maybe you guys will take a safety and kind of take us through your thinking on that play, Michael Dixon. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically just was trying to get as much time off the clock as I could. And, and you were told to kind of run around and burn some clock. Yeah, kind of just run around and... You can't. The guys can't hold anymore. So I knew that they were going to get there quicker, and kind of kept looking back and saw that I had a bit of space and time, and looked up the field, did a couple, did a couple looks, and then just took off. Now, was there ever a moment where I was kind of, I kind of compared that moment to like baseball, where a guy decides to take second, and he's about halfway, and all of a sudden realizes they throw that ball really fast. <laughs> you, you see those guys like closing on you. Did you have a little panic moment there at all? No, I, as soon as I took off, I kind of knew like I was getting it. Get so it. I, was, I was just holding on to that as hard as I could, knowing I'd get the first down. And I knew I knew I was going to get hit pretty soon after. But um, yeah, I was just excited to well, get you, it. You got shoved kind of from behind, and then you that momentum <laughs> took you through. You kind of ran over the DB a little bit. There. <laughs> Did you stand up and flex over him or anything like that? No, no, no. 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 <laughs> And it, and it did close quick. Everybody loved it. Well, and, and Steve Rabel, who had just heard on the play-by-play, he said, well, they didn't teach you that in, in Australian rules football, but tell me about that. Did, you, you played it. Yep. You've run before and tackled, I'm assuming. So tell me a little bit about your history on Australian rules football. Yeah, so I played Aussie rules football for about uh, 10 years. Um, and, yeah, like you said, you, you do a lot of running, you do a lot of kicking and tackling and Every position does everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of took me back to my old days where I got to run with the ball a little bit. I don't know if you know this, Paul, but he averaged uh, like 20 disposals per game. <laughs> what the hell is a disposal? <laughs> that's just in my notes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like, um, that's how many times you do something with the ball, either punch it out of your hands or kick it. So that means, I mean... The higher the disposals, the the better of a player you are because you get more use of the ball and can do more stuff with it. Another question like that one, uh, how in the world did you get to the University of Texas? Tell us about, you know, how you got recruited and, you know, did you know anything about that? Had you been to the United States? Um, yeah, so in Aussie rules, obviously you, you kick a lot. Um, you do a lot of that action and I had a big bigger kick than most of the other kids growing up and then even when I was 17 18 I was trying to hit uh spirals with an Australian football and there'd been other Australians that have gone pro in the past uh so there was who, who always were some of those guys by the way uh Darren Bennett yeah. uh Ben Graham and Sav Rocker okay uh they all did really well and Sav Rocker was the guy that I used to watch on like videotapes playing Aussie rules hit long goals and that's I'd always kind of practice that a little bit and then, you know, I kind of decided that I wanted to give it a real shot and then met an Australian punning coach back home and everything kind of just took off from there. And three or four months later, I was getting a scholarship offered to Texas and was playing there that year. What a Any st- other places, by the way? Sorry, Paul. W- w- any other places that you got recruited by or just Texas? Or? Uh, yeah, just Texas. I'd only been punning for about three or four months and um, just sent film over in Texas, liked it. So I didn't really have a big recruiting process. Okay. When, when we were in London, they were uh, putting up on the scoreboard and explaining the rules of American football. How much did you know about football? And your parents still live in Sydney. Yeah. How, how much are they, they got it down now? They know, understand American football 
exactly now? Yeah, they they know a lot about American football. Originally, they didn't know it all. They got like American football rules for dummies and like books like that, <laughs> and tried to tried to learn it as much as they could. But um, they still didn't really know what a safety was. Uh, so I kind of talked them through that yesterday, and they realised how dumb I was for going for it. So have you been? I mean, everybody loved it, man. I mean, you look on the sidelines. Um, the, the one thing about about Pete Carroll is that he coaches guys to go ahead and make a play if you see it. And you know, I just you probably don't have a lot of experience with coaches, but usually, you know, coaches they can be negative and don't screw it up and things like that. And Pete. I feel like he, the way he coaches, he allows for you guys to be individuals and make your own decisions. Yeah, definitely. He, uh, I mean, even the fact that uh, you know I came in as a as a rookie punter that got drafted, there's obviously a lot of pressure to to perform. And the whole time, Pete and uh, Brian Schneider, the special teams coach, have done nothing but made me feel confident out there. And that was just one of those things that I felt confident out there and kind of just backed my instincts and went for it. You gonna do it again? Uh, no, I think I want to quit while I'm ahead. Okay, yeah. he's got a great yards per carry. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't stop right there. Your whole career, like I average nine <laughs> yards a carry. Yeah, nobody's gonna beat you on that one. Uh, here's a, you know, one of the things I was mentioning beforehand that Paul and I both coached high school football, and every once in a while you get out there and you screw around. I've tried to drop kick a football. It's ridiculously hard. It makes you look incredibly foolish. I was talking to uh, to Pete Carroll about it, and he said, "You never miss. Like you might miss, you know, exactly where you want to put the ball with a, a drop kick, but that you never miss kicking it on the ground, getting it in the air. That, that's a really difficult thing to do, and, and especially with uh, the footballs now. You know, the NFL yeah. football. Yeah, I mean, I didn't drop kick when I was back in Australia." Um, I just kind of learnt that when I was at Texas as a freshman. Uh, I found out it was worth three points. So when the other kickers <laughs> were warming up, yeah, when the other kickers were warming up, I'd kind of just mess around and try and hit some field goals. And I've just progressed, and it ended up being something we could use. So, uh, how yeah. long of a? What's your longest drop kick field goal? Sixty-five. Get like, out what? Of here. <laughs> Sixty-five. Yeah. How far behind the line do you have to be in order to to get it the loft on it? Yeah. Uh, same same distance, so I'd stand... Same as the kicker? Yeah, so I'd stand 10 yards from the snap, and then by the time I kick it, it'd be 8 yards away from the line of scrimmage. So. Is, is there any question in your mind that Pete is going to let you do a drop kick field goal? There's no question in my mind. It's going to happen. <laughs> are, you, are you in his ear like, hey, coach, it's got to happen. Let's make this happen this in year. The, in the preseason, I'll, next year, I'll definitely be in his ear about <laughs> letting me do it. Less okay. pressure. So Not your rookie year, though. Yeah, no. See, that's no. a smart move. He know he knows you got to let the rookie year go by. How about the uh, the kickoffs? You know, and I got to yeah. say, the new rules with the kickoff return have not been like as dynamic as I thought they would be. I thought there'd be reverses and all kinds of stuff going on, but a couple of times you did the drop kick to a spot. Um, you guys have worked on that in practice, obviously. Has has that worked out? You know, like substituting for an onside kick. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a different way because you can kind of disguise it more um my approach is the same for every kick that i do uh it's just been it's it's a little hard to get them super consistent uh you know against the rams it's hard to hit it outside the numbers every time and 
do it. So it's just something that I want to work on and just try and get more consistent with it so it can be more of a weapon. Well, as I was gonna say, 65-yard you know, drop kick. And we'll Pooch, when you were doing against the Rams, I guess we, we'd call that. Can you, I mean, I'm assuming you can kick it out of the end zone. You know, with your, your leg strength, is that something you're working on? Because, you know, sea bass, we're not, we're trying to get rid of sea bass. We love them. But, you know, as he gets older, you know, he focuses more on field goals and let you, you know, kick it through the end zone. Is that something you work on? Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to try and learn normal kickoffs next year as well. Sea uh, bass has talked to me about that. And just this year in the season, I'm not going to worry about it. But kickoffs off the tee next year, I definitely want to try and learn as well and just try and use my leg strength to try and hit some out of the bat. Yeah. Well, Man, it's been. It's tell me about some of these other uh, other kicks. I I went to Brian Schneider. Your coach is one of the better dudes that that I've met. Just a really nice man, and he, he'll he'll talk and he's great describing things. And but I saw you kick a punt, and I went to Brian. And I said, "Did I see in practice what looked like an end over end punt? Yet it was spinning backwards. It looked like I'm like, how in the world do you do that? You, you know how." Tell us about how that ball has to leave your foot in order. And same thing with, like, the side spinner. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, t- tell us about the different drop points as far as punting goes of where that ball needs to hit on your foot. Yeah, so, I mean, with different – with the one that curves, like, we got ones that will curve. Um, we got ones? No, you oh. got ones. I don't think anybody else can do this, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Brian and me and Schneider are just so working on it together. Uh, I didn't know how to implement a lot of the kicks until he kind of was saying, yeah, you can do it for this, this, and this. And so I really feel like it's kind of both of our kicks. Um, so, you know, I got ones that will curve going one way and curve that way, so it will make the returner try and hopefully fumble it. We haven't done any of them yet. Um, kick them across my body with low hang that will hopefully limit any sort of return. Um, but, yeah, they're kind of hard to uh, come in and really excel at because I can do them at practice, but in a game you have a different sort of energy about you and it's kind of yeah. finding that, that balance with how much energy to put in. And with, whereas normal spirals and normal pooches, I'm so used to that now. So it's just all about like, trying to fine-tune those skills in a game. You did come in, obviously, with, uh, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of fanfare. I mean, you know, to have a, a puncher drafted is, is rare in itself. How, how do you feel about your, your season so far? I'm just, I'm looking right now. I think you're third in Annecy and, and net punts or, or somewhere in that range. Are, are you pleased with your season? Uh, yeah, it's been, going, it's been going pretty good so far. Um, I, I was aiming a little higher, so up, when we had that bye week, I was like, thank God we still have nine, ten games left uh, that I can just try and be at the top of the table and you know have have the year that i was hoping for um but yeah definitely definitely happy so far but can definitely take it up another level you know going back to texas i think the game was it against iowa that you guys played in the bowl game or uh missouri missouri that's yeah. right uh you were the mvp of a bowl game what'd you get what was the prize for that by the way MVP. Just like, yeah just like a trophy like a this trophy. big and just to be able to say <laughs> that I was MVP. You've never I, been an MVP before? Well, you, I have never I, got one of those? No, I don't, oh. I don't think so, Paul. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. I feel terrible. Now. <laughs> no, but that's pretty awesome, and it's very rare for, for a punter to get that, you know? I mean, that, that's awesome. I was looking at you. had, like, what was it, like three or four kicks that went out inside the five-yard line, yeah. the 10-yard line, and you yeah. know, I, I suppose you didn't go into that game thinking, I'm going to be MVP. No, I just knew it was going to be my last game for the Longhorns and just wanted to win and then ended up 
having a pretty good game. What's that uh, that place mean to you? Because uh, uh, you know, you know, you get teammates and everything, and I'm sure a lot of people are drawn to you being from another country. And how uh, how tight of a group is it? Yeah, very tight group. I never would have thought that I'd be this proud to be from the Texas Longhorns. They really kind of instill it in you. Like I've got a lot of Texas pride as well, even though I've, I'd only been there for really two and a half, three years. But um, yeah, those teammates are like my brothers, and it's just we had to go through a coaching change together, and that's always difficult. So you guys, we really just bonded and connected on a deeper level than I feel like most other teams get to. Well, and I think you're going to get that here too because, you know, we I end up interviewing probably eight players a week on, on my show and it's just a group of good good guys. And, and I see uh, the defensive players, like during the, uh, the preseason, the Minnesota game, Bobby Wagner, who's like a Pro Bowl, future Hall of Fame linebacker, he's coming over there and patting you on the helmet. Yeah. Seems like uh, those defensive guys, well, the offensive guys too, but it seems like they, they love you. Yeah, I mean, these... You said it exactly right. They they show nothing but love. Uh, there's no sort of weird feeling that I get from the team at all. It's just nothing but support and love and trying to just win some games together. Do you? 2015, you're punting. You yeah. get a, you're you got a scholarship to Texas. Now you're here in front of all these people. You're making great money. You're on a fantastic football team. Do you have to pinch yourself? I mean, is this real? Yeah, I, honestly, I find myself doing that a fair bit. Um, even at Texas, I was doing it. I, like, sometimes I forget I'm on the other side of the world living out my dream. Um, like, I looked down today, actually, saw Seahawks on my hoodie, and I was like, I, ca- like, I can't believe that I'm playing for the Seahawks. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> honestly, it's insane to me. Oh, these people love that. <laughs> uh, did you, uh, had you followed pro football and, and kind of watched the, the next level? When, did, when you're at Texas, when did you think man, maybe, maybe I can be a pro football player. Uh, that was kind of my goal from the start. I didn't really know how college football worked. I just knew that I wanted to really try and get to the highest level I could with punting in, in Australia. So that's, that's what inspired me to go meet with a punting coach in Australia and then uh, found out I had to go through college. And in college, my goal the whole time was to get to the NFL and play in the NFL. Now on draft day, did you have any idea, any indication that the Seahawks might take you? Uh, not really. I just had a. I got on really well with Schneider at my pro day. Um, we had lunch together afterwards, and I was like, "That's def- If I can choose, I'd I'd want to be at the Seahawks because of him and because of just of Pete Carroll. And um, you know, the more I've been here, the more I've learned. I didn't even know all the stuff about the Seahawks that I'm learning now and about his coaching philosophy. And it's just, I'm so lucky to have uh, ended up here. Are you homesick at all? I mean, obviously a long way from Sydney, and, and just culturally as well. It's not, it's not even the, the weather. The weather's great here. We love the weather. But, you know, just being away from it, you know, how's that, how's that going for you? Yeah, you, you do get a little homesick every now and then, but you just, like, I'm so caught up in football, it's kind of hard to even think about that. I mean, you, you obviously have some days where you miss home and you miss your family, but, like, my family came out for the first three games um, of the season, so... Um, that kind of took that, that, that away, that feeling. Just having them around kind of makes it feel like home. So it hasn't really been too much of an issue. Well, you guys on the special team, so it's the long snapper, Tyler Ott, yourself, and then, of course, Sebastian Janikowski. You three spend a lot of time together. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to figure uh, you guys have, have gotten pretty tight. And, you know, I've always looked at that group, and you guys, it, it, the Seahawks especially, do a really good job of, it's like I always see you three together. It's pretty cool. It, Tell us about uh, those two guys, what they're yeah. like. Um, 
as soon as I came in, even when you know John Ryan was here and when Jason Myers were here, um, we were such a tight group. Even though we were competing against each other, and Jason and Seabass uh, were competing against each other, there was never any sort of weird feeling. It's just we we're happy to compete, and I think Schneider really made that environment uh, like that, and uh, just the characters that they kind of bring into this this uh, team. That there'll, there'll never be any sort of um, weird feeling, and uh, yeah, and th- those guys, I learn every like I learn a lot from them every day. Seabass always telling a funny story, or you just you just learn from them, their experiences. He was born in Poland, right? Yeah. He's Polish, and then you got a Harvard guy too, yeah. Tyler Ott, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a. Interesting array of human beings there. Yeah. Talk talk about here's something that goes unnoticed, and they make it so seamless, and they make it look easy. And that's being a holder on extra points and field goals. I was a backup holder. I was always so I could please don't get hurt. Please (laughs) don't get hurt. What What's that like? When was the first time you've done it? And you know, are the nerves finally over for you? Yeah. I mean, I held it Texas um, for a right-footed kicker. And it's just something that as soon as you get a lot of reps in and you practice it a lot, it's not really something you think about, like, punting or anything else. Like, it's hard. You need to stay on top of it. And, you know, you want to do it because it's, it helps the kicker out. And if you mess it up, it's kind of – it looks bad on them, but it's really on you. Um, but, yeah, I've, I mean, I've been holding well this year for Seabass. We've worked on things all preseason and all training camp, so – um, there would never be an issue going into the game, and yeah, it's been good so far. Well, Michael, tell us uh, what you like doing off the field. I know football takes up a lot of time, but what are some of your interests? Who do you hang out with on the team? What do you like to do in your downtime? Um, most of my downtime, I'm like calling my family, FaceTiming my f- friends back home in Australia or Texas, and like my friend, close friend group seems to just be growing and growing. So it's it's hard to try and keep up with everyone, but a lot of the time, I just like chilling and watching youtube random videos or you know watching tv playing playstation talking to family while i'm doing that or finding a good place to eat or just yeah what time is it in sydney right now uh 2 p.m p.m okay so they're, so they're okay oh, yeah, it's tomorrow tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. yeah okay so they'll accept the call right now yeah that is weird i mean even we were in london you know it was it was weird trying to communicate back home because it's it's so off along the yeah. way yeah that must have really screwed you yeah that's that was the biggest thing was the time difference that that was the hardest thing was, how long of a flight is it from sydney to seattle for your family to come out uh like 14 15 to la yeah. and then a couple from la up here wow well, man, you've done such a great job, and uh, everybody in town now especially loves you because you, uh, you ran for that first down. Yeah, really cool. It's Hawks Live here at the Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar, and uh, Paul Moyer and I will be here every Thursday with a Seahawks player like Michael Dixon, and don't miss the show. And we want to thank some of our, our sponsors, Heritage Distillings, Batch Number 12 Vodka, Legendary Donuts, and, and coming up next, we're going we're gonna to be joined by uh, my co-host of Misfit Radio, Danny O'Neill, and we, we want to get you on, man. We, we want to get you on our show, and you're, you're a great guest, really interesting to talk to, and let's give it up for Michael Dixon. Yeah, Mike. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. 
Welcome back to Hawks Live, Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. And now, as we are every week, we're joined on, I don't know, was this some kind of a hotline, the bat line, the bat phone with your Danny O'Neill. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I, I'm doing well. I'm in the Alaska Airlines studio. I'm sitting right where you normally do, Dave. Oh, nice. Don't yeah. sit in my chair, Danny. Nope. And I'm wipe sit- everything down when you're done. That's not, I'm, I'm drif- draping my clammy hands all over everything. <laughs> hey, we just talked to Michael Dixon. He was, he was fantastic. We, we got to get him on our show. You guys were excited, it sounded like. Yeah, Paul and I, two old, crusty defensive players. We were I, excited to talk to them. I can't believe young NASA got him on our show before he got them on your show. I think it's I I'm a winner. Yeah, it's yeah. great. The other thing is, is, is the punter a defensive player? That's he a good question. Yeah, I think he's always more associated with with defense because you know you give the defense good field position, and you know I was on the punt team. I liked the punt team. Punt coverage was great. I hated punt return. I liked uh, I liked the field goal block. That was good, and and also being on the field goal team, but didn't didn't care for the other ones. What was the worst one was. Well, kick kickoff. Return. I used to kickoff go, returns no, terrible. Kick the ball. I didn't mind the kickoff return that much, but the kickoff. And there's a wedge there with two offensive linemen weighing 300 pounds, and you yeah. got to run into it. Not, not. There's fun. no more wedges anymore. Danny, no. Jim asked me to ask him a question. The longest drop kick that he's kicked, as far as a field goal, 65 yards. No way. Yeah. Can you way. believe that? That's unbelievable. Yes. I so want to see know. that. I do too. I, I'm not sure what we're going to see from from this guy and how soon. The one thing that I appreciated about him is that he said, "Eh, maybe next year." Yeah. So he understands he's a rookie and he can't come in here with the uh, guns ablaze and well, I'm going to do this and that. And I asked him. I said, "Are you bugging Pete to do a drop kick field goal during a game?" And he said, yeah. "Maybe next preseason." <laughs> maybe next preseason. <laughs> yeah. So. Danny, how impressive was that win over the Seahawks? Or, I'm sorry, uh, the win over the Lions last week. And three and three team coming in first, you know, well, I guess the second really good quarterback in Matthew Stafford. But man, it was on the road and in the early time slot. It was on the road in the early time slot against a team that felt every bit as confident about itself as the Seahawks had. Each team had lost two to start the season, then had won three of four and felt they'd really righted the ship. And the Seahawks went in there, and I think more than just winning the game is how decisive it was. The Seahawks' formula for playing on the road, Pete, and this, this was even when they were a dominant team, a team that went 6-2 and two on the road back in 2013, he, he likes to play, play, keep it close to the vest for the first three quarters and, and play nip and tuck, and he's, he is absolutely A-OK. He loves to get it to the fourth quarter, having it be a one-score game and saying, okay, I, I think we'll make more plays down the stretch here. We'll get the stops, and our quarterback will make plays. Seattle, they punted on their first possession, but even that first possession, they, they showed some progress. And then you had touchdowns on four of their next six drives, and the two that they didn't score on, one was at the end of the half, and the other one, they had the ball down at the one and got stuffed. That that was It was devastatingly efficient on the part of their offense. And I think as impressive as the victory is the way that they won it, it was pretty decisive. Well, it kind of ties into what I was going to ask you about being a playoff team because I think the way they played the last three weeks, the Ram game, I don't want to say they should have won. They definitely could have won. Um, and, and the way they beat Oakland and then Detroit last week, it was decisive on both sides of the ball. So with that, because if they had a squeaked out a win against Oakland and squeaked out one against Detroit, you don't really know what you're doing yet or that, the type of football you're playing yet. 
just just your thoughts on on this being a playoff team or not? Yeah, I think they are a playoff team because I, I think that you look at how they're playing and and they're going to get better. They've got a young defense that is already pretty statistically uh, solid, if not if not good, and and I think that that group is going to get better. And Russell Wilson, we're watching him get more efficient as the season goes on. And maybe the first couple games, he was still feeling a little bit of the, the scar tissue or the, the bad habits that I think crept in last year when they couldn't protect for him. He, he didn't have time. There wasn't a running game. And, and I think over these past four games, five games, we've seen them find a style of play that not only does their coach want to play, but suits their quarterback strengths. Russell was awesome. Like that was that was as that was as devastating as a quarterback can be when he attempts seventeen passes. You think about that seventeen passes he threw for two hundred and fifty yards, and they're able to run, run, run. And when they throw, they're throwing it deep, and they're gashing teams. Well, and I didn't even think about it until you said it, Danny. Uh, the three incompletions. <laughs> one was Doug Baldwin stepping out of bounds. The other one was Vanette, Vanette yep. stepping out of the back of the end zone. And then the other one was a throwaway. So. Pretty awesome. You know, Danny, I, two players that I think are too good to not be making more plays. Bobby Wagner I talked about earlier, and it's not like he's playing great. It's just that he's not made big plays. And then the other guy on offense, I'd say Doug Baldwin. Your, your thoughts on those two guys and, and the way they played this year? Yeah, I definitely I definitely think Doug Baldwin. That's that's going to be the kind of the next component that I look for them to get ro- rolling on offense is – does he get back to being that clutch receiver for them on third downs and the guy who gets so much separation and is so precise with his routes because there have been times certainly where they've they've had good connections, but he had a game where he only caught one pass for one yard as well. So, so I'll be watching that. Bobby's interesting because Bobby is a spectacular player, and, and I think you pointed out today, Dave, that he tipped a ball that ended up being an interception in, in the Dallas Cowboys game, but we haven't seen... So the big sack fumble, him coming on a blitz, those sort of things from him. And I do believe that that's coming. A huge part of Seattle's ability to sustain this level of success is going to be to keep up the the turnover margin that they have, to keep taking the ball away and to keep controlling the ball uh, on the part of their offense. And Bobby Wagner, uh, hopefully K.J. Wright's missed the past couple days of practice. Hopefully that's just precautionary because the linebackers with K.J. and Bobby, they should be the heart of this defense, certainly the most experienced part, and and be the guys that are those sort of playmakers. Let me take you back to what you were talking about on, on um, Doug Baldwin. I was thinking about this today, too, that this is kind of a wide receiver by committee now. You know, you have David Moore who jumps up. You've had Tyler Lockett. We've had tight ends. We've had Doug had a great game against Oakland, and last week, not so much. It, it, is Will Doug be okay with that role and i'm not saying he's it's going to go to that role he's still our guy but we're being we're awfully good when russell goes back and says what's the defense giving me and you're you're all alive one of the best compliments and one of the jug baldwin's best traits is he's never been greedy he's he's never been a person that demands the ball he the the times that he's 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 gotten upset it hasn't been they need to get the ball more to me it's that people on the outside haven't appreciated how good the wide receivers are because they judge it by the same sort of number of catches instead of looking at the significance of the plays and the rate at which they convert the, the throws to them to, for catches. 
He's never been a guy that's come back and demanded the ball or, hey, it's when he's gotten frustrated and and frustrated, it's been when the offense isn't moving and thinking that they'll be there. So, But I do think that this will be a little bit of a challenge, Paul. And, and they're going – one of the things about going back to the offense that they had in 2012 and 2013 is Doug isn't going to have as many receptions as he's used to having because his receptions have climbed up there where he's not getting 105 catches like some of the top guys in the league, but he is having games where he's getting 12 and 13 passes thrown his way. And the way they're playing right now, that's not going to happen. They, they attempted 17 passes total. Last game, and that's that's not going to be standard. That's still going to be the exception. I've never, but I've never seen Doug get bent out of shape about. Hey, I need more opportunities. It's always been, man, we got to start moving the ball. And I know that there's ways that we can do it. But yeah, I think that there might be a little bit. It's certainly something to watch. Well, I think the only time Doug usually goes after, you know, will say something when somebody says that he's not indicates that he's not playing well. And he is playing well. He's always yeah. open. And that's the thing about, you know, receivers. It's just a frustrating position, you know. And, and Doug, he's – you rely on a lot of other people to do their job perfectly when you're a receiver. You can get open, but if the line's not blocked and the quarterback doesn't put the ball in the money, then it can be frustrating. It's one of those uh, those frustrating Well, and, and I wasn't positions. making a, a negative on him because I was – No. My thought was – while we were 14 for 17, probably could have been 16 for 17 throwing the football, and Doug had one catch. Yes, yeah. and I'm like, what? Do you complain? About-? I don't think you do. I, but I think this is where our offense is going. I think we'll see Doug with seven catches one game, and me only have one or two the next because that's what the defense is given. Yeah, and I do think that 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 that's part of what will be a challenge. You're going to see a, a redistribution of it. Tyler Lockett's getting more opportunities, deservedly so. He has six touchdowns in seven games. Doug's been banged up, and I think that that is tough for him. Um, and when we'll see kind of how it goes. But that's the last piece because Doug coming into this season, you would have said he was the he was the only one of the top three targets last season that was returning. And so it figures. I think he's going to return to that that primary role, but we'll see. Danny, I'm going to ask you a tough question. We've talked to all these guys. Who is your favorite defensive back that we've talked to? And I'll give you the Shaquille Griffin, Bradley McDougald, Tedrick Thompson, Trey Flowers, or who am I? Oh, Justin Coleman. I'm going to go with Trey Flowers. I like how laid back he is. I, I, I think, and it's a different type of personality for that corner position, but, but having somebody who seems to be very, very laid back and understated even as he makes this transition. And, and I really, I think his ceiling is enormous. I, I, I think that of all the players on the team right now, he might have the highest ceiling of anyone outside of Russell Wilson in terms of how good he can be. He's just learning it. And, and the guy looks like he is built to play on the outside. It seems like he has the right mentality for it. He's been competitive. He hasn't gotten beat many times, and when he has, remember, it'll be interesting. He'll, he'll probably have times where he's matched up against Keenan Allen in the preseason game against against the Chargers. We saw him get matched up against Keenan Allen. We saw Keenan get quite a bit of separation to the point it was someone else that ended up making the tackle, and, and he hasn't been discouraged by that. I, I've really been impressed with him, and it's a different type of... Uh, of mentality. It's something Marcus Trufant was very understated and kind of that quiet, low key personality. And I think that can work really well for corners. And I think Trey Flowers has a chance to be not just good, but great. I think mine right now is Tedrick Thompson. You know why, Paul? Because I drafted him. Did you know you, that? You drafted him? Yes. 
I made the announcement when he was drafted, oh, but you know, whatever. I, gotcha. it's, it's the same I remember thing. that they didn't have it on TV. They went to commercial break, but afterwards, <laughs> we did have Trey. Yeah, no, we had uh, Tedrick. You mean or Tedrick? Yeah. yeah. So no, it's tough to pick because they're a great group. Well, Danny, um, I'll see you tomorrow. But uh, thanks for coming on with us. Really appreciate it. Certainly appreciate you guys having me on. It was great hearing from Michael Dixon. Talk to you guys soon. There right, goes Danny, Danny O'Neill. Appreciate that. It's Hawks Live. Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman. We'll come back next. And wrap it up and give you maybe our predictions going forward. That's next on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Paul Moore. I want to thank Pearl for the delicious dinner before the show. Tonight we had a great variety of appetizers got some crab cakes Uh, come on down to pearl and enjoy all the drink and food specials they have going on today and and every day and paul right now we're going to talk a little bit about uh predictions i don't like making predictions i really don't i don't Uh, give scores also we did the under as far as calling them the san diego chargers called them the la chargers i think you did well proud of you i think we did well there yeah i'm proud of myself you know what i was saying earlier like i unapologetically call them the San Diego Chargers because I was born in San Diego and uh, that was the first football game or pro football game I ever saw when I was a little kid and I, I think a lot of people in San Diego are are really angry and upset about them leaving and going to LA yeah so, I mean it's it's a shame because it is a shame it, it, you know th- to have two in LA not necessary they don't have anything in Orange County now you don't have anything in San Diego County you know so you got to go up 85 90 miles and that's I don't know what fifteen million people that have to go into L.A. Yeah. to get to watch a team. So, too bad. But okay, at least they, they kind of got UCLA colors though. So they. Fit I like in a those little colors. Bit. I like those colors. Uh, I like their uniforms. Did you hear? I don't know if it was told on this show. I can't remember. I did like four shows today. I can't remember which was <laughs> where. What? Uh, Philip Rivers has some van that's like customized, and he has a driver. And the guy drives him up to practice every day, so he kept his home. It's crazy. In San Diego, and I guess he does, like, film work on the van, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. He, he's, he's loyal to San Diego, and he doesn't want to well, you don't move want to his eight your kids. kids. Eight kids he but has. But could you imagine being in a car for 90 minutes to two hours one way? Yeah. And then they got to do it again. I, now, if I'm him with that kind of money, i got a nice condo. Tuesday through Thursday or Wednesday through Friday, whatever days, you know, I'm hanging out there. Gonna, sorry, kids, not going to yeah. see it. Or I'm doing the Kobe Bryant thing. He may not have that kind What's of Kobe money. Bryant? Kobe yeah. lived in Orange County, and he had a helicopter that flew him to uh, practice and to the games at, at – um, That sounds expensive to me. Well, he makes a lot of money. Well, Paul Moyer's a helicopter guy. We know if you ever hit the lottery or whatever, <laughs> he's going to be flying I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to go broke. Yeah. Coming up, uh, um, what am I saying? We're, we're almost at the end of the show here. <laughs> it's your fourth show little, today. A little loopy today, but uh, well, coming up here, Paul, is your prediction. What do you think about this game? You know, it's, it's, I find, uh, I find that we're back into the same sort of fix that we were last week where we don't really know. You start looking at the Chargers. I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize they were 5-2 and two until we start looking at them this yeah. week. And I haven't really paid that much attention to the Chargers. And just because of the franchise and everything that's happening there, it seems to be going south. But they're actually playing good football. And talk to uh, the guy from 
who was it, Sam Fortier, who was uh, telling us all about their team. Terrell Williams, a kid out of Western Oregon. Uh, you got this Austin Ekeler kid who is out of Western Colorado. They've got some good, you know, free agents. They it seems like they're building a good team down there. Well, and, you, and obviously Philip Rivers, they got good coaching. I, I'm looking, and it's hard because you go and you're looking for common opponents, and you're looking to see how well they do. Because in the NFL, you're going to play 500 basically if you if you don't do anything special. And if you start blowing teams out, like last week, we blew out. To me, we blew them out in Detroit on the road. Uh, to me, we blew out Oakland. Uh, technically a road game so i'm looking at their games they they lost to kansas city first game of the year nothing wrong with that they lost by 10 they lost to the rams third game of the year they lost by 12 they barely beat tennessee by one last week they beat uh san francisco 29 27 so maybe we don't know how good the chargers are i know how good we are we're pretty good and the chargers gonna have to play great football to beat us sunday well, and you start going back and looking at the schedule because really if you just look at, yeah, our opponents are pretty much the same as as far as the teams that we've beaten. You know, Arizona, not a great team. But if you look at where this team is now, I mean, you, you don't throw out those first two games, but you realize that this is a totally different team. And one of the things I've heard Pete say about the offense is, we didn't want it to take this long to work. It took a couple weeks for them to, to get it down. But if you look at the last five, that's where this team is going. And and especially the defensive backfield, I'm very impressed by. But there's going to be a great challenge for them and a great stretch of, of quarterbacks that they got coming up here. we got Phillip Rivers, then it's Jared Goff, then Aaron Rodgers, and then Cam Newton. Yeah, that's and they're, they're all got a quarterback rating over 100. They're all... Even Cam Newton, I was just I was telling you, Dave, earlier, there are five quarterbacks completing over 70% of their passes. Yeah, obviously it's a passing quarterback league. Cam Newton is completing 66% of his passes. Cam yeah. Newton. Yeah, he's usually a 60%, he's 58%. He's only, I think, once in his career, maybe twice gone over 60. Yeah. Mostly it's been in the 50. Now, he does. But he's running. Things. No, he, he, yeah. look, he's a gamer. Don't get me wrong. But I just, you, you got a man like him. And he's a man, right? I mean, he's 6'6", 270 pounds, who yeah. can run, completing 66% of his passes. That's a tough game coming up. Yeah, that is. And that you look at some of the road games left. you got the Rams. Yeah, it's a short trip. And, you know, they played them tight last time. But Carolina's going to be a tough one. And uh, But a lot of home games coming up here, too. And hopefully oh, they'll take care lot. of business. Well, what we, we've only had two so far. So we got we got a bunch left. Here's what I do like. Uh, teams... And I thought last week was a great example. Detroit tried to stop our run. They brought guys down. There was the matter of fact that one play we showed earlier. They dropped the safety down. They and they had, brought Snacks Harrison in they, with the trade. They had more than enough guys to stop our run, and they could not stop it. We're executing at such a high level. So that is fun. The, the other part is if you really want to stack it, if you're really determined to stop our run, Russell's going to beat you now. Because we've got time. They're not rushing them like he did the first two weeks because our running game's so good. You know, the, I brought this up. We, we ran the ball seven times in a row against Oakland. That eighth play, which was a pass, the Oakland Raider defensive line stood straight up. They didn't even try to rush. Mm. And that's what we're seeing more and more. Great pocket where the, the offensive line's doing a great job protecting. So I think we can beat people anyway. I don't want to throw it 40 times a bunch, but we can do it once or twice. 
We can we can shoot, win a shootout if we have to. Uh, teams are going to have to try and stop us at what we do best, and it's not easy to do. And all the stuff we've talked about tonight, haven't really even talked about Russell Wilson that much, and he's Russell, probably your best Russell offensive Wilson, asset. Yeah. yeah, Russell Wilson. He's pretty good. 1L, not pretty good. like Luke Wilson. Hey, uh, we really appreciate everybody coming down here. I want to thank some of our guests, Danny. Uh, O'Neill, of course, Sam Fortier, uh, the professor John Clayton, and yep. Michael Dixon. But also, the rock wanna, star. Yes, he is. And want to thank our producer, Curtis Rogers, engineer, Brennan Hutchison, promotions manager, Jessica Kelly, our board op, Brian Schoening, back in the studio, and our executive producer, NASA Chobie. Well, go Hawks, and uh, we'll see you next week and get you ready for uh, the next game down the road. And hopefully, we're talking about a victory. Five and three. Here we go. Thanks come. for coming. That's it for Hawks Live.